Well, good morning. God is good? And all the time? Amen. Well, Brother Fred always told me, he said, David, the Sunday after Thanksgiving is when you have a guest preacher. And I said, why? And he said, because it's low attendance Sunday. And then it's raining, but I'm also speaking on the tongue today. And so maybe a lot of people got word of that and said, I'm not coming today. No, I'm just kidding. For those who are online with us today, thank you so much for being with us. I know several people are traveling and we are praying for you as you travel uh, on this day. I pray that everybody had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Uh, I pray that uh, you got rest and that you were able to spend time with family and with friends. I do have a few announcements. We have carols uh, coming up on December 10th. That is two, is that next, that's two Sundays. Two weeks, not next Sunday. They need one more Sunday to practice, right? not next Sunday, but the next Sunday on December 10th at 6 p.m. Uh, you're going to want to come early because we're only having one uh, showing, one service time, one worship time. Um, and so this place will be filled up. Also, there will be cookies and cocoa after the Carol's 2023 in the Breezeway. If you would like to help provide cookies, please sign up at the events table in the lobby. Um, you can see that right by the main front door. And then also at the end today, I want to pray uh, for our team that is going to uh, Alaska. We leave Thursday. There's six of us that are going up to help the church uh, that we're partnered with up there. Uh, Christ Community Church, they say say C3 for short, but Christ Community Church is having an event on Saturday that we're helping with, and I'll be preaching on Sunday, which means, uh, as Brother Fred always said, he looked really hard to find someone, and since he couldn't find anybody, he got Brother Randy to preach. So next Sunday, I'm just picking, Brother Randy will be on next Sunday, and uh, I'll be in Anchorage preaching there. Uh, so I pray that you all have a wonderful week of worship. But let's go to the Lord in prayer as we begin. Father, we thank you so much for your love, your mercy, and your grace. Father, as we come here today, Lord, we are thankful for so much. But Lord, all of our blessings, all of our thanksgiving is in turn because of what you have done through your Son upon the cross. Rising again, that we may have life and life abundantly. So Father, today as we come into this place to worship you in spirit and in truth, may we come with clean hands and a pure heart. Not because of our good works, but because we've been covered by the blood of Jesus. And Father, we want nothing more than for your name to be lifted high and glorified today. For it's in your precious and holy name, the name above all names, the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. 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 We decided to go ahead and keep Thanksgiving rolling today uh, because my family's here. Uh, My sister Amy Jones is going to be singing with us today and sharing a song uh, during our special music time. Uh, There's nothing better than than family, and if you're in Christ, we're in one family together. Amen? Amen. If you're a guest with us, go ahead and fill out that welcome card uh, in the seat back pocket right in front of you. Turn that in into one of our boxes at the back of the room. As we stand together, why don't you welcome someone to Luke 418 Fellowship as we sing about the Ancient of Days. Blessing and honor. Blessing and honor. Glory and power. 
sing blessing. Praise his name together. Christ, our hope in life and death. 
is our hope. What truth can come? What truth can calm a troubled soul? Sing this out. God is good. Yes. God is good. Where is His grace and goodness known? Here it is. In our great Redeemer's blood, who holds our faith when fears arise, who stands above the stormy trial, who sends the waves that bring us nigh unto the shore, the rock of Christ. Christ, he lives. Amen. Christ, he lives. And what reward will heaven bring? Everlasting life with him. There we will rise to be the Lord. Then sin and death will be destroyed. And we will feast in One of the books that we've been reading as a, uh, as a staff is a book called Gentle and Lowly by Dane Orland. And uh, he pointed out in one of these uh, chapters that, that he, Christ is our advocate, that he died on the cross, rose on the third day. And you know what he's doing right now? He's sitting at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us, praying for us. Isn't that a lovely thing? And he has given us so much, so many blessings. He is the fount of every blessing that we have. Let's sing that together. Come thou fount of every blessing. Come thou fount of every blessing. Tune my heart to sing thy grace. Sing it out today. Streams of mercy never ceasing. Call 
as we pray together and continue in worship. God, we thank you so much that you are holy, that there's no one like you, and that you provided a way, the only way, to come back to you. We praise you today, Lord. We love you. Amy, would you lead us? A thousand generations falling down in worship to sing the song of ages to the land. all who've gone before us and all who will believe will sing the song of ages to man. And would you sing with us? Your name is the highest. Your name is the greatest. Your name stands above them all. All thrones. All thrones.
thankful and blessed that you have saved us in such a miraculous way. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the message of the gospel that we once were enemies of God. But then you came to this earth. You lived a perfect life. You died on a cross. And our salvation was complete. It was finished on that cross, Lord. And then you rose again. And now you're sitting at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us, waiting for the day when you come back. And so too are we waiting for you to come back for us. But until that day, Lord, we say thank you, Jesus, for this life that you have given us. I pray that we would never forget to be thankful for everything that you've done. We know that you are the one that loves us. And that we are your children, new creations, Lord made for good works that you have given to us ahead of time. Lord, we pray that we will walk in that, that we would hide your word in our hearts that we might not sin against you. Even today, give us an opportunity to share the gospel with someone who needs you or is far from you. We pray, Lord, that everything that we say and everything that we do would reflect you so that people would look at us and praise our Father in heaven. Jesus, thank you for the blood applied today and every day. Amen. The mystery of the cross I cannot comprehend. Agonies of Calvary. You, the perfect Holy One, crushed your Son, who drank the bitter cup reserved for me. 
Your blood has washed away my sin. Jesus, thank you. The Father's wrath completely satisfied. Jesus, thank you. Once you in a me, now seated at your table, Jesus, thank you. I've been brought near Your enemy You've made your friend Pouring out the riches Of your glorious grace Your mercy and your kindness Know no end Your blood has washed away my sin Father's wrath completely satisfied. Jesus, thank you. Once you rid of me, now seated at your table.
Amen. Aaron, your family is so talented. Your brother and you and your sister. Did your mom and dad sing as well? Your mom did. Man, God has blessed each of you with amazing talent, and I praise God for that. As we begin today, I want to start with just a special time of prayer. As many of you all know, that we are continuing to pray for Israel and all that has taken place. And uh, you all know my heart for Israel. I I love Israel. I would move there if my wife would uh, uh, hear from the Lord on that. I'm just picking. Uh, No, I know that this is where I'm supposed to be, but I just love Israel. But I want to pray for Israel and all that's happening Uh, We rejoice in those who were set free in the last few days, and we pray that even more will be in the days to come. But also in this time of prayer, I want to pray, uh, Ryan, are you here today, Ryan Redding? Right there. Ryan is headed out next week um, to boot camp for joining the Navy, and so we want to pray for him as well. And uh, amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, as we come before your throne, Lord, we just thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. And Father, our hearts are broken at what's taken place in the Ukraine, what's taken place in Israel, Lord, and really all over the world. The effects of sin is catastrophic. But Father, we know that greater are you who is in us than he that's in the world. And so, Father, we just thank you, Lord, that that you are with the nation of Israel. And, Lord, that you are giving them wisdom and guidance and direction. Lord, I pray that uh, through this time that innocent civilians would be protected, Lord. I pray that the enemy would be defeated, Lord. And most of all, that your name would be glorified. Father, as Ryan heads off to boot camp, Lord, I pray that he would sense your presence and know that the body of Christ is praying for him as one of our members uh, steps away for this time. Lord, I pray that, that he would be used by you to share the gospel, that he would be used by you to encourage others, and Father, that most of all, your name would be glorified in the way that he lives his life. Lord, we thank you for his willingness to serve. And Lord, we pray that that you would just put your guardian angels, your protection around him. Now, Father, as we open up your word today, Lord, I am desperately dependent on you for all things. And I ask that you would speak in and through me, Lord, that I would hear what you are speaking and I would place it into my life. As Lord, I pray that each person in this room would allow this word to sink into their heart and by the power of the Holy Spirit, apply it to their lives. Now, Father, we love you and praise you for it's in your holy name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, and I hope that you do, open up to Proverbs 18. Today we're going to be in Proverbs 18, 21. We're really going to be all throughout the book of Proverbs. And also, if you would just go on and put your ribbon, if you have one, or a bookmark in James chapter 3. Today we're going to be talking about the tongue. As we continue in our study in Proverbs this week, and the next week we'll begin our Advent, speaking on uh, the birth of Christ as we lead up to our time of uh, Christmas. But today we're going to take some time uh, continuing in our study of Proverbs. Now, how many of you heard from your mother growing up, if you don't have anything good to say, whoa, I don't even have to finish it. Don't say anything at all. And I even had a friend tell me one time, David, even a fish wouldn't get caught if he wouldn't open his mouth. 
Have you ever said something that you wish you would not have said? Or that you wish that you would have kept to yourself? We've all been there. You've all said something and maybe even said something this morning that you regret saying. Today we're going to look at the tongue and we must, as we've done the last couple weeks, acknowledge that we're all guilty of this. Every one of us has failed to tame the tongue at some point in our life. The problem is is that you can't get your words back. Many of you have seen or heard the example of taking a feather pillow to the top of a tower and cutting that pillow and letting all the feathers go. That example is like your words. You can't get all those feathers and bring them back to put into the pillow. You can't get your words back. Today, as we look to the book of Proverbs and even James, hopefully we will see the proper way to tame the tongue. And now an important note on this is that the tongue is not simply what you speak. It's also what we write. For those who are on social media... When you write something on social media, that is you speaking that. And believe it or not, when you put it on social media, it's for the whole world to see. Not just your friends, or at least those who are checked as friends on your Facebook. Also, when you write a letter to someone, these are words that you are speaking. And I think that even typing something and writing something is even more dangerous because then they have it to hold and look at it over and over and over again. So today as we look at this, let's ask the Lord to show us how to tame the tongue. Proverbs 18:21 and then I'm going to read James 3:1 through 12 as well as we open God's word. It says this. Proverbs 18:21 it says death and life are in And the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12 says, Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such we will incur a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. Now if we put the bits into the horse's mouth... So that they will obey us, we direct their entire body as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so great, they are driven by strong winds and still direct it by a very small rudder. Wherever the inclination of the pilot desires. So also the tongue is a small part of the body and yet it boasts of great things. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, the very word of iniquity. The tongue is set among its members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. For every species of beast and birds of reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race, but no one can tame the tongue. It is a Restless evil and full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth comes both blessings and curses. My brethren, these things ought not to be this way. 
Does a fountain send out from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? Can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives or a vine produce figs? Nor can salt water produce fresh. Let's pray. Father, as we read this passage, we are all overwhelmed by the fact that no one can tame the tongue. But Father, I pray today that we would recognize that taming the tongue is not by our power, but by the power of the Holy Spirit that you have placed inside of us. I pray today that you would open up our eyes to see that which you are speaking, and may we live this out every day. Oh, Father, we love you, we praise you, and we give you all glory. Speak through me today, O oh God, and empty me. For it's in your precious and holy name. Amen. The first thing I want us to see today as we open up this passage is simply this, that there is power in the tongue. The tongue has power. James chapter 3 verses 5 through 10, we just read that, speaks of many things. It says that the tongue boasts of great things, is a fire that can create a forest fire. It says that it sets the course of life, defiles the whole body. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. It says here that in the same tongue you can bless God with it, as in just what we did with singing worship, singing praises to God, but then with the same tongue you have the power to curse your brother or sister. And think about the power that is in the tongue. Literally, we can sit here for 15, 20 minutes and sing praises and leave here and say something negative towards a brother or sister, whether by tongue, by speaking, or by writing it onto a social media platform. Church, we must recognize how powerful it is. Proverbs chapter 18 says that, that it's so powerful that life and death is in the tongue. The power of life and death is in the tongue. And so today I want to look at these two key elements, life and death in the tongue. Now, many of you may have heard this saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me or harm me. I'll never forget as a kid, I heard Brother Fred preach a message on that. And the only thing that I remember as a kid was that he said, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will always hurt me. What he said was, is that that saying that they won't hurt you is a lie, that they truly do bring about pain. And Proverbs shows us how words can truly hurt someone. And so let's just take a few moments and look at how Proverbs shows us ways that words hurt. When we speak death or when we speak things that where we should have held our tongue, where we need to hold our tongue, right? Y'all have heard the old saying, I've got a hole in my tongue because I've bit a hole in it because I just need to keep my mouth quiet. Well, it says here in Proverbs many different things that we need to hold our tongue with. In Proverbs 26, 21, it says that we are to hold our tongue when we have contentious speech. Contentious speech. Now, you may remember two weeks ago, I was talking about the lady, the woman, and we showed that many times it says a contentious woman. Well, men, here it is. It speaks about us as well. It speaks about all of us can have contentious speech. It says this, like charcoal to hot embers and wood to fire, so is contentious man to kindle strife. 
There are two passages also in Proverbs that I think that gives clear interpretation of this. Proverbs 15, 18, a hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but the slow to anger calms the dispute. Or Proverbs 29, 22, an angry man stirs up strife, and a hot-tempered man abounds in transgressions. Have you ever said something in a fit of rage? A fit of anger? Have you ever said something that you didn't truly mean, but in that moment it was everything in you that you meant? Oftentimes, the word that comes out of our mouth when we're angry is a four-letter word, hate. I hate you. Or I hate this or that. Church, we must recognize that when we allow our anger to have a root in our heart, we will begin to speak things that will be contentious towards others. Believers, we must also recognize that the only thing that we're called to hate in the Scripture is Satan and sin. We need to get the word hate out of our mouth unless it's geared towards the enemy. And I'm talking about Satan. Because the Scripture also calls us in Matthew 5.44, it says, Love your enemies... And pray for those who persecute you. Church, we're called to love and pray for our enemy. Loving our enemy doesn't mean that you're approving of their action. Church, too often we can get angry, frustrated, mad, and we begin to speak things and spew things out of our mouth without even stopping it, not even realizing what is being said. Another area that Proverbs speaks about holding the tongue is perverse speech. Proverbs 18, 13, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverted mouth I hate. Now, Brother Fred shared with me many times, I've already mentioned him several times today, but he mentioned to me, he said, David, what people have to realize is that oftentimes perverted speech happens when everybody hangs out around the water cooler. And I was like, Brother Fred, what's the water cooler? What do you mean by that? And he was just talking about a place where everybody would hang out and and get water at work and different places like that. Church, we must recognize that, that we are not called to have unwholesome or perverted speech that comes forth from our mouth. Ephesians 4.29 says, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. That word unwholesome in Ephesians 4.29 is literally rotten. Do not let rotten words proceed from your mouth, but only such a word that is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear it. Ephesians 5, I think, in verses 3 through 4, gives clarity to this word rotten or to this word that we saw in uh, chapter 4, unwholesome. It says this in verse 3, But immorality or impurity or greed must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. And there must be no filthy and silly talk or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. Can I just share with you that oftentimes people will will think in their mind, well, if I say a a perverted joke or if I give a a dirty joke, that it won't hurt anybody. But the reality of it is that it's degrading to people and oftentimes it's degrading to the opposite sex. And Proverbs 15.4 tells us that perversion, it crushes the spirit. Church, we must 
guide our tongue or tame our tongue in not being contentious, angry, and allowing that to spew out, and also not to speak perversion, perverted jokes and things of the matter. The next thing that Proverbs says, hold your tongue, and he speaks to, Solomon speaks to flattery. It says this in Proverbs 26, 28. A lying tongue hates those it crushes, and a flattering mouth works ruin. This word flattery means to give excess of insincere praise. To give excess of insincere praise. Flattery means to puff up. I've used the example before that if somebody was hungry and I gave them uh, 12 Krispy Kreme donuts, it would help in in the moment. But it would ultimately make them sick and puff them up. Can I tell you that I've seen parents do this with kids, especially with sports? I've seen kids say, man, I'm going to be the next Heisman. That's what my mom or dad told me. And listen, I understand that, that, they're, that we need to encourage. I get that. And, and, and I'm going to talk about that in a minute. And I'm not saying that it's wrong to, to kind of lift your kids up even when it comes to sports. But church, that's just an example of the fact of what flattery can do. It's when you speak something that doesn't have full truth behind it. You're wanting them to, to stand upon shifting sand. You're saying, hey, this isn't really true, but I'm going to say this to you to lift you up. But the reality is, since it's not true, there's no foundation. And when you flatter, it puffs up until it falls. The next thing that we see to hold our tongue is deception. Proverbs 28, 28 says, a lying tongue hates those it crushes. Proverbs 26, 18 through 19 Like a madman who throws firebrands and arrows and death, so is the man who deceives his neighbor and then says, oh, I was just joking. Listen, Matthew 5, 37 says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. One of the sayings that we have here at Luke 4, 18, at least among our leadership is, say what you mean and mean what you say. Say what you mean and mean what you say. I'll never forget the the saying that I heard growing up, what a mighty web we weave when we practice to deceive. Church, believers have the truth. They have the truth. And who is the truth? Jesus. So believers should speak that which is in line with the character of Christ, which is truth. Another thing that we see in Proverbs that we need to hold our tongue on And this is not just for ladies, this is for men too, and that's gossip. Proverbs 11.13 says this. Do you have 11.13 back there? He who goes about as a talebearer reveals secrets, but he who is trustworthy conceals a matter. Or 2019, in Proverbs 20.19, he who goes about as a slanderer reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with a gossip. You know, just through experience of life, I wrote down three things that I think is at the heart of gossip. One is prideful. Someone wants to tell other people and show other people that they know something. I can't, I I gotta let people know, look at what I know. Or they wanna be the first one to share 
the news, the information. And pride comes as a central focus of gossip. I want people to know what I know. I want them to know that I know that. Church, there's no reason for us to share when a brother or sister speaks to us, even if they don't ask you to keep it quiet. Let me just say that again. Even if they don't ask you to keep it quiet, there is no reason for you to share what's been told to you unless it's for the betterment for the person who spoke it. If there's a purpose and a reason that will help better that person, then yes, we share those things. I'll give you an example. When I was in youth ministry, if a kid came and shared something with me that, that was detrimental, I would bring their parents into the, the fray. Even if they said, David, please don't share this with my parents. Why? Because I knew what was best in that moment was to share and to bring others involved in helping in the situation. But the reality of it is, is that we never have to say, hey, don't tell anybody this. If I'm confessing or sharing or walking in in vulnerability, the greatest way to, to destroy vulnerability in this room is by gossip. I think another way or another reason that people gossip is they're fearful. They attempt to build up an army. They want to build up a big team of people. So they start sharing all this stuff that didn't need to be shared because they want to make sure they get their view out there to build up an army. Can I just tell you that if you're defensive, you're fearful. Listen, we've got to remember that at the end of the day, the only opinion that matters is Christ. At the end of the day, how God views me is all that matters. For those in this room who have struggled, including myself, with people-pleasing, the only way, the only way for you to be set free from people-pleasing is to recognize that the only view that matters is God's. And nothing that you can do can change how much He loves you, and nothing you can do can change how valuable you are in His eyes. I think there's one other reason why people gossip, and that's insecurity. They want to lift themselves up by tearing down others. They want to lift themselves up by tearing down others. So let's just say that if those are the three, and this is what the Lord just put on my heart through uh, my years of life, of just seeing people who gossip, is that it's usually prideful, fearful, or insecure. If those are truly the case, there's nothing good that comes from gossip. Another, and the last one that we see in Proverbs, is that we need to hold our tongue and not brag. Proverbs 27, 2, let another praise you and not your own mouth. A stranger and not your own lips. Is it not difficult to be around people who all they want to do is brag? But you know what's interesting is it's ingrained in people. Think about children. Children want to let you know how much they know and all that they can do. And sometimes it can be some of the silliest things they want you to see. And you're like, well, great job. You know, like, that's awesome. But they want you to know. They want you to see that. It's like ingrained in us. How do we remove this bragging nature in our heart? Well, it goes back to what I just said. 
we must recognize that our true identity is in Christ and Christ alone. But let me just go even further. Proverbs 24, 17 says, Do not rejoice when your enemy falls. And do not let your heart be glad when he stumbles. Now, I'm going to give you an example that I think is fair in this moment. Hopefully you can all hear it. But this past weekend in college football was rivalry week. And this is what the commentator said at the beginning of every game. This game is for the bragging rights for 365 days. Well, I'm here to tell you that I have a problem with that. Because the scripture tells us that we are not called to rejoice when our enemy struggles or stumbles. Now, this may be a silly example, but I think it brings home the practicality of this verse. Why do we need to brag about something that that people have done when we can point all the praise to Christ? So we see that, we are, that the tongue can bring death, which we should hold our tongue. Contentious speech, perverse speech, flattery, deception, gossip, and bragging. And some of you are like, David, this is, this is tough. I understand. Because we've all dealt with all of those at some point in our life. But it also says in Proverbs 18, 21, that we are called to speak life. So we need to hold our tongue in those areas, but then there's also a time where we need to speak or speak life. There's three things that I want us to look at in that. One is that we need to speak faithful admonishment. We need to speak faithful admonishment. It says this in Proverbs 27, verses 5 through 6. Better is an open rebuke than love that is concealed. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. Church, we are called to speak faithful admonishment. Now, as I've shared with you before, you are called and responsible for how you act and how you speak. So if you are giving a faithful admonishment, you are responsible for how you speak that admonishment, but you're not responsible for how the other person receives or even how they react to the faithful admonishment. Let me just say that again. You're responsible for how you speak the faithful admonishment, but you're not responsible for how the other person receives or acts when they hear that faithful admonishment. Now, one more transparency. We're all human, which means none of us are perfect when we give a faithful admonishment. Can we admit that? Amen. But let me give you some guidelines to being a faithful admonisher. Galatians 6.1, you need to memorize this. It's so important. If anyone is caught in trespasses, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of what? Gentleness. Each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. Faithful admonishment must come from the right heart or the right motives. Is it because you're frustrated with the person or is it because you truly love the person you want what's best for the person? If you're frustrated, you don't need to go speak those words. But if your heart truly loves that person, then you need to speak up. You need to share. 
The last thing I want to do is fall off of a cliff and then somebody say, oh, I saw that coming, but I just didn't know how to tell you. Not only do you need the right heart and motives, but you need the right words. You need the right words. Words matter, church. They really matter when it comes to a text message. You know how I know that? It's because I texted Brother Fred 15 years ago. This long text. And he wrote back, okay. I thought he was mad at me. I came back. I came and saw him. I said, Brother Fred, are you okay? Like, what's happened? Have I done something wrong? Now, remember, I was a people pleaser at the moment, right, at the time. I'm like, Brother Fred, what? And he goes, what are you talking about, David? I said, well, all you responded with was okay. He said, well, that's all you needed. I said, why waste words? I was like, Brother Fred, that's not how text messaging works. Church, the right words matter. You know where you can get the right words? From God's word. Not only does the right words matter, but the right tone matters. Proverbs 15.1, a gentle answer turns away wrath. But a harsh word stirs up anger. As I was growing up, I was always told, it's not as much of what you say, but how you say it. Church, I'm here to tell you that you say a whole lot more with your face than you do with your words. Which really goes back to the heart. And then one more thing about faithful admonishment from Proverbs 25, 11. There's a right timing. Like apples of gold and setting of silver is a word spoken in the right circumstances. Like apples or gold in a setting of silver is, word, is a word spoken in the right circumstances. Now I want to be very clear here because some of you can use this passage to say, oh, well, it's never the right circumstance. It's never the right time. And so I'm just going to push this off and push it off and push it off. This scripture is not here for you to walk in disobedience. This scripture is simply here for us to see that there is the right timing. Some of you may even recognize that in your own marriage, right? Somebody needs to say something, and and instead of waiting until y'all can hear, you say it in front of other people. And they're like, this isn't the right timing, right? There is a right time, a right circumstance that we are called to speak of faithful admonishment. I also don't believe that the right timing would be me speaking a faithful admonishment to a person while I'm standing up here behind the pulpit, Church, we must have the right heart, the right words, the right tone, and the right timing. We need to memorize Galatians 6.1. Another thing that we're called to do, to speak up, is encouragement. We're called to encourage. Proverbs 15.4 says, A soothing tongue is a tree of life. Now there's a big difference between encouraging one another and flattery or puffing up one We're called to encourage. Encouragement is focused on what God is doing in and through someone. Not simply what they're doing, but what God is doing. Remember, it's Christ alone in us. We cannot live a life of godliness without the power of God. So encouragement is focused on what God is doing in someone's life. Encouragement is based on the truth. Encouragement is based on the promises of God. I can encourage my brothers and sisters. Just last week, 
three, two weeks ago, did, I went to three different celebration of lives, and I was able to encourage families by the promises of God's Word. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so that encouragement came from a foundation of truth, not from insincere flattery. Hebrews 10, verse 24 through 25, let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembly together, as it is habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day draw near. Church, the tongue can be used to speak death, or it can be used to speak life. We speak life by faithful admonishment. We speak life by encouraging our brothers and sisters, but then we also speak life by sharing the gospel. Church, we speak life by sharing the gospel. The only thing that's going to give life to a dead soul is the gospel. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Listen, we are as believers commanded to speak the gospel. Matthew 28, many of y'all know this. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching, how do you teach? You teach through actions and you teach through your tongue. Teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. What Acts 1.8. Acts 1.8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses. How are we witnesses? Through our actions and through our tongue. Where does that power come from? By the power of the Holy Spirit. Where are we going to be witnesses? In Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and even to the remotest parts of the earth. Church, we are to speak life. And that is the gospel. And then I love just summarizing Acts chapter 2, Pentecost. The Holy Spirit falls down, fills the believers. And what does Peter do? He speaks. He stands up and begins to proclaim the gospel. And as he proclaims with his tongue the gospel, it says that many were saved on that day. You know, on one side of our mouth we can curse others. But on the other side we're called to speak the gospel. Church, we've got to tame the tongue and remove that which speaks death and speak life. So the last point that we close with is this, who can tame the tongue? Who can tame the tongue? Well, James chapter 3 tells us no one, no man can tame the tongue. Why can no man tame the tongue? Because the tongue reveals the heart. Because the tongue reveals the heart. Proverbs 27:19 says, as in water Face reflects face. So the heart of man reflects man. Matthew 12, 34 says that from the mouth speaks that which fills the heart. Why can no man tame the tongue? Because the tongue speaks from the heart and no one can cleanse their heart. The only way that you can tame the tongue is first by having a heart transplant. 
as we've talked over the last few weeks, it begins with salvation. It speaks in the Old Testament that that when Christ comes and and there's salvation, that He'll take the heart of, of stone and give you a heart of flesh. He'll give you a new heart. Church, we must recognize that in our sinful state, and all of us are born into sin, in our sinful state, the only thing that is produced from the tongue comes from the heart, and that is death. That's contention. That's flattery. That's gossip. That's all the things that we mentioned just a few moments ago. It requires true salvation, a heart transplant. Praise God that we celebrate in just a few weeks that Jesus came and was born of a virgin. He came as as an infant, as a baby. He lived a perfect life, which meant that when he died, he did not deserve the death that he died. And because he didn't deserve it, he was able to take on him the sin of you and me. And the scripture tells us, That in a couple days after his death, he rose again, conquering death, hell, and the grave. He's now ascended to heaven. And the scripture says, for those who believe and trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, receive the free gift of eternal life, they shall be saved. They have a heart transplant. It goes from a dead heart to a new heart. Why can no one tame the tongue? Because it begins First, with a heart change. And that can only take place through salvation in Jesus Christ. I love what the passage says in Galatians. It says that Jesus bore our sin and that he covered us in his righteousness for those who are in Christ. But here's the thing. Not only does it require a new heart, But when one comes to know Christ as their Lord and Savior, the Scripture says that God gives us the Holy Spirit of promise. The Scripture speaks that He places His sanctuary in our heart, fills it with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit begins this work called sanctification. It's the removing of the flesh so that we would reflect the image and character of God. 2 Peter speaks to this so clearly. For us to tame, or for our tongue to be tamed, first is salvation, but then it's sanctification by the power of the Holy Spirit. 2 Peter verse chapter 1, verse 3. Seeing that His divine power has granted us everything pertaining to life and godliness, through the true knowledge of Him who called by us by His own glory and excellence. For by these He has granted us Granted to us his precious and magnificent promise so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature. Now when you look at that passage, some people say, does that mean you're going to be a God one day? No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. But what it does mean is that God has given us the power through the Holy Spirit to remove the flesh, to reflect the image and character of his divine nature. 
Not only that, but he continues on in, in, in 2 Peter, and it goes into all these things. It says, it says, now for this reason also apply in all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, in your moral excellence, knowledge, and knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, uh, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness, and godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I know that I was going fast there, but what he's saying here is that God has given you the power of the Holy Spirit so that you may reflect the characteristics of God, the character of God, of Christ. The Holy Spirit is what does that removing of the flesh. The Holy Spirit is what helps us hold our tongue instead of speaking in contentious speak or perverse speech or gossip or slander or all these different things that want to come out of the flesh. It's the Holy Spirit of promise that helps us bite a hole in our tongue. And it's the Holy Spirit of promise that allows us to use our tongue to speak life. To speak faithful admonishment with gentleness, with a right heart. It's the Holy Spirit of promise that gives us the ability to speak encouragement. It's the Holy Spirit of promise that gives us the power to proclaim the gospel as we saw in Acts chapter 2. So how do you tame the tongue? We stop trying. Here it is, church. And we start abiding. How do, you change, how do you tame the tongue? We stop trying in our own power. Oh, I just, I, okay, I'm not going to say anything perverse today. But then we get angry. And we use the word hate and other things. Oh, I'm not going to be angry today. But then we say something of gossip. No, the way that we tame the tongue is not in our own power. But it's by abiding in Christ. Church, you speak according to what's in your heart. Are you filling your heart with the things of this world? Are you filling your heart with God's word? I want to close with an example. I don't usually like to share an example that, and and this is not to to boast in my, uh, the one time I got it right. But I want to share with you because it's funny, but it, it, it truly pertains to this. Brother Randy and I were in Alaska, and we were going to visit different churches praying over a partnership. It's interesting, I leave Thursday to preach in, in Anchorage at Christ Community Church with Uh, Pastor Tracy, he's excited about us coming up. And there's a group of six of us. We're going to pray here in just a few moments for for the six that are going. We were in Alaska, and Brother Randy is more uh, hot-natured, and I'm more cold-natured. And we were driving in the car, and I had, you know, you can split your, your air conditioning, right? And on my side, I had it full blast heat. And on his side, he had it full blast air conditioning. And Philippians 2, think of others more than yourself. I said, you know what? I'm going to put on a jacket. And in doing so, he could have his air conditioning going and I wouldn't have to, you know. So we're driving down the road. I unbuckle 
I go to put my hoodie on, and right when I got it over my face where I couldn't see anything, Randy decided to check the brakes. Not just check the brakes. Like, he also wanted to check and see if the window would break when my head hit it. And out of my mouth came this word. Shalom. Now, I say that because it's funny, but it's true. There's a lot of things that could have come out of my mouth in that moment. But many of y'all know that one of my favorite words is shalom. Or to shema. That's another one of my favorite words, right? Shema. But shalom came out of my mouth. And, and listen, I'm telling you, I'm only sharing this because I, I got it once right in my life. But the reality of it is, is that if this isn't in my heart, shalom doesn't come out of my mouth, which means peace. Church, for us to tame the tongue, first requires salvation, and then requires abiding to the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit in our life. You can leave here today and say, oh, my tongue is so bad, i got to do this and i got to do that. Or you can leave here today and say, I know the secret. It's that I need to be abiding in God's Word. So that as I abide, life will come forth instead of death. 